Bibles today to Luke chapter 1. As we are now a week away from Christmas, and I think, you know, it's kind of cool the way it worked out this way. You know, it, it gives us seven days to really search our hearts. Really search our hearts. You know, what would be worse? You know, here we are, we're fighting to keep Christ in Christmas. Things have changed so much uh, in this country. I can't believe we're even in this battle that there are people suing, you know, people for putting up banners that have Jesus' name in it and things like that. It's just a crazy place to be. And so we're fighting in, in one sense to keep Christ in Christmas. But, but what would be worse? If I could just ask you this question. For the pagans not to want to keep Christ in Christmas in their words, or for the Christian to not keep Christ in Christmas in their heart. You know, you might say the right words, Merry Christmas, and even that, I, I wonder, Lord, why do we have to say Merry Christmas? I mean, what is it, just all about fun? I mean, why do we say Merry Christmas? I think it'd be better to say May you Christmas. And I know that sounds weird, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, you just think all these things through. And, and it's so easy for us to say in word and, and whatever it is that Christ is in our Christmas. And when you really search your heart, he's not. You're not really doing the, that God's called us to do. You know, how many of you here, just out of curiosity, come from a Catholic background? Just out of curiosity. Okay. It's kind of funny, um, and no offense, I hope I don't offend anybody here by this anyways, in that sometimes you come out of a Catholic background and, you know, you, uh, you, you know there's still things that you're holding on to, uh, terminology, things like that, titles. Even sometimes people call me Father Manny, Father Manny, you know. <laughs> and let me tell you something right now, that's wrong, okay? Um, the, uh, and, and the Bible says that in a religious setting, you don't call anybody father in a religious setting, but God. Okay? That's what the Bible says. I mean, it's okay to call your biological dad father. That's totally cool. But in a religious setting, in a, in a, in a spiritual setting, understand Jesus made it very clear. Only one is your father. Not the Pope and not the priest. So anyways, it's funny. People coming from a Catholic background... They might call me Father Manny, and so I just, you know, say, no, please don't do that. Now, sometimes people will say, well, you know what? I wasn't able to make it to Mass this last Sunday, you know? <laughs> and it's kind of funny. And again, no offense, it happens all the time. And it's, to me, it's exciting that God's bringing you out of that religion and into a relationship. And that's a beautiful thing. So nothing bad about that. As a matter of fact, I kind of like it when you talk to people and they don't know where the books of the Bible are yet or or, you know, they've only been a Christian for a couple of weeks and they're just praying simple prayers. I love that. So don't feel bad about that. But, but when they say, I, I wasn't able to go to Mass, and, 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 you know, Mass, what it means is celebration, right? That's what Mass means, celebration. Christmas means the celebration of Christ. You see? And that's why we have to come back to what it's all about. I was telling my son, you know, for us, you know, um, what the way that what's really happening is we're we're spelling Christmas instead of C H R I S T M A S, we're spelling it C H R I S T M I S S, and we're missing Christ. 
See, and what I was thinking is, Lord, we've got a week now. You know, I want to go through this text right here, but I I really want to primarily give you an exhortation. And you'll see that today as the study unfolds. As as far as like what the Lord, I think, is calling me to do, and then I'm just kind of just relaying it to you this week. You know, this week. Here's the way it works, you know. Um, We buy gifts, you know, and that's a large part of... uh, Christmas, right? How many of you here are done with your shopping? Anybody here? A couple of you didn't buy anything, right? Okay. You're, I'm done, man. <laughs> All right. And the rest of us here, we're still on the journey. You know, and some people, they buy gifts by like whatever's on sale. Ooh, that's on sale. I'll give it to so-and-so, you know, or I'll re-gift this or whatever. Um, <laughs> a lot of times, there's not a whole lot of thought into it you know and think about how different it would be if you really thought about it like what would they want and and what do they need right and so I was thinking man I would encourage you if you do if you've gone the other way where you're just kind of giving whatever to whoever don't even give them a gift if that's where your heart is don't now don't get me wrong I appreciate it you know I, I we appreciate gifts but if the motive of the giving is just to get it done, just so that you're not embarrassed, then don't give a gift. I would encourage you, you got a week left, maybe do it over. Go back and say, okay, this is for them. You know, And it doesn't have to be expensive or anything, but let there be at least a little prayer. Let there be at least a little thought into it. You know, because Christmas, and here's where, I guess, in one sense, I want to just really exhort you, is the celebration of Jesus' birthday, right? I mean, it's a celebration when God came to earth, and, and, you know, he was actually there earlier. He was there nine months earlier. He came, the God who filled the universe, he shrunk down to the size of the period on your piece of paper, God came nine months. He was planted within the womb of Mary. And then on that day, then Jesus was born. Now, some people will say, well, December 25th is not Jesus' birthday. He was born in October or whatever they might say. You know, and that's true. We don't really know for sure if it's the right day. But it would be kind of like, I don't know, we have experiences sometimes where you might get someone dropped on your on your porch, a little baby, they're crying. We don't know the birthday. This is the day we choose. This is the day we choose to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Now, what do we normally do on birthdays, right? Tell someone how much we appreciate them. You know, it gives us that kind of that excuse or that opportunity. What do we normally do on birthdays? We give them a gift, right? I mean, normally that's kind of what we do. And, um... And I would just want to encourage you, if we're going to do this Christmas thing at all, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. And let's really spend this next week in prayer. Let's spend this next week in in just searching our hearts and asking the Lord, what gift can I give to you? Because it's your birthday. You know, and, and I know that for a lot of us here, you know, that means a lot of different things. You know, it's something that's very personal. 
But I really want to encourage you, don't let this year go by without really having heard from the Lord and asking him, Lord, what do I need to give? You know, one of the things that we have related to Christmas is the three wise men uh, that came, the Magi. Uh, I think it was connected to Daniel, and they were study the stars and prophecies and things like that. Real interesting story behind that. Now, we know from a biblical perspective it was not on Christmas Day. It was actually, you know, when Jesus was a couple of years down the road in Matthew chapter 2. So it didn't happen that night, but the Holy Spirit connected them, whether you like it or not. That's kind of what we see. And to me, I like it because they're giving gifts to Jesus. Isn't that cool? You know, they gave what? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. What will you give? You know, I was talking to my son about this, and he said, that's easy, Dad. You give him your heart. Okay, you give him your heart. But I want, uh, to me, I think that's got to be more tangible, more practical. You give him your heart. You give him your life. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. You're not really saved. That if you were to die today, you don't know for sure if you'd go to heaven. That's where it starts. You give him your heart. You give him your life. He loves you. He came that Christmas. That Christmas, he came so that he can then grow up and die on a cross for you. The Bible says that if you repent of your sins and receive Christ as Lord and Savior, you can know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you'll go to heaven. When you live, you'll have a taste of heaven. It's a beautiful thing. Being a Christian, you might be here today and you're just not right with the Lord. You're rebelling. You're kicking against God. You're struggling with sexual addictions, alcohol, drugs. It could be your anger. It could be your fears. But inside of you, there's an emptiness that only God can fill. But he can fill that. And if you're here today, yes, that's where it starts. Give him your life. Say, here, my Lord, all of me. But I think that for most of us here, we're Christians. And, Lord, how do I connect the dots? How do I really give you something, you know? I mean, I don't know. And it could be a lot of different things. I know I was thinking about the gold. And uh, I was thinking about how they gave the gold. You know, maybe for some of you here, and I don't know, but I'm just kind of just throwing some things out there. You know, God wants you to give beyond your typical tithing. You're like, well, I always give this, this much each week or each month or whatever it is. Maybe it's Christmas and God says, for my birthday, I want you to give beyond. Maybe I want you to give $1,000, but not to Calvary Chapel Almani. We're not asking for money. We're fine here. Maybe it'll be to somebody who's really sincerely poor. Maybe. I don't know. You know, I thought about them giving the gold to Jesus. And I was like, wow, two years old. I wonder what he's going to do with that gold, you know. <laughs> You're going to chew on it? Um, I don't know. I thought, though, it was probably because his parents were really poor. That, that's probably a real practical thing. Again, don't give it to the church. We're fine. And don't just give it to anybody because there's a lot of people out there who are just milking the system. But you find somebody with a genuine need who's really poor and trying, maybe that's what you'll give to God this year. Maybe it'll be frankincense. I don't know. Frankincense was uh, symbolic of worship. 
You know, in worship, we know it, it, it just manifests itself in so many ways in our life. Maybe this year you get with the Lord and he says, I want you to give frankincense. I want you to give worship. Maybe it'll be the year that you step up and you begin to serve the Lord in, in a different type of ministry. I don't know. God will show you. That's one act of worship. Maybe just worship. You know, we come on, 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 our, on our services, the first half hour, it, we're here to worship. Maybe it'll be like, okay, Lord, you know what? I, I sense you telling me to get there a little early, prepare my heart, and then when we begin to sing, I will sing to you from my heart. Because we should be doing that anyways, but sometimes God has to realign us. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know how it will be in your life. Maybe it'll be myrrh. You know, the gold was the, the you know, the dollars. The, the myrrh was the death. Symbolize death. And, you know, we know it spoke of Jesus' death, but we're to follow Jesus' death. We're to die to ourselves. Maybe you're here today and whatever it is, you know, the Lord might be dealing with your anger. Uh, and you could be a guy here today, a man here today, and you have not died in that area of your life once and for all. You know, I talk to guys all the time that struggle with anger. It could be their wife that ticks them off. It could be their kids. It might be other things that make them upset. You know, and I try to tell them, man, you, you just cannot justify that. You need to stop making excuses about how you're just a man or you're, you're a Hispanic or, you know, it's in your blood or, or accepting it, tolerating it, not for a second. No, because... That anger, I mean, it's okay to be angry, but don't sin. Some things we're angry about, we need to be angry about. But if you're one of those people, man, that, you know, you just fly off the handle, maybe God's just going to get a hold of you and say, stop it. Die to yourself. Give me some myrrh. I tell guys, it's almost like walking through a landmine. I mean, think about it. If you were to go over there to Cambodia, because in Cambodia there's still a lot of mines. And let's just say they told you this whole area right here is filled with landmines. Would you not walk carefully? You would. That's how we are to walk as Christians, circumspectly, carefully. And that's how we must live our life. That's how we must die to self. I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know what God's calling you to do. But my encouragement, my exhortation to you is don't let this Christmas go by. Don't let it go by without giving God the gifts that he wants you to give and you need to give. Okay? You know, because we have the story before us and we're going to see the way it all ties together. In Luke chapter 1, you guys are going to notice this. Look what it says in verse 26. It says, Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Here we have the, the messenger he comes in the sixth month, it says there in verse 26. That would be the sixth month of Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy. And this angel is an angel by the name of Gabriel. 
Now, if you read about uh, Gabriel, you'll find him also in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter uh, 8. He uh, speaks to Daniel. He spoke earlier, if you remember, in the same chapter of Luke. He speaks to Zacharias, and he appears to him. He's a pretty cool angel. Look what it says in verse 19 of this same chapter. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. He's a pretty awesome angel. You know, he comes with this message. Notice it says he was sent by God, verse 26, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, you might just kind of read over that and say, okay, well, that was the geography. That's where he went. But if you knew a little bit about this place, you would stop and drop. And you would say, what? What did this angel who stands in the presence of God, what's he doing hanging out in Galilee? And more specifically, what's he doing in Nazareth? Because in those days, if you were to look at a map, you have Judea right here, and then you have Samaria, and then you have Galilee. They called it the Galilee of the Gentiles. And what that meant was that here were Jewish people touching Gentile people. They considered them not kosher. Not only that, Nazareth was even worse. It's like you're going deeper down. That's why it says in John chapter 1, verse 45, Philip and Nathaniel are having a conversation, verse 46, together. He's saying, hey, come and see, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. Man, this guy is amazing. And, that, and, and Philip says, and Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? No way. The prophet from Las Vegas. And you go, what? That doesn't, like, calculate. Or, you know, Almani. Or South Almani, that'd be even worse, huh? You know, not just messing with you guys, you know. <laughs> the prophet from Los Angeles or East Los Angeles, I don't know. Think of the worst place. I don't know. And I don't even want to say anything because sometimes people get mad at me when I say stuff. But all I'm saying is that, man, why would Mary and Joseph, if you read chapter 2, verse 4 of Luke, it says that they were from there. If you read on in Matthew and then in Luke chapter 4, it says that they moved there. I mean, wait a minute. We're going to raise Jesus now. We've got to get him into a good neighborhood. Let's go to Beverly Hills. Let's go to some nice, neat neighborhood, you know, good schools. Why was he stuck in Nazareth, of all places? And, you know, we know, I think we know, if I had to say, it's because God was saying it doesn't matter where you're from. I'll, I'll go to you. It doesn't matter what you're going through, how poor you are, how much you're struggling. I will travel the distance of the galaxy to Galilee, to Nazareth, to you. And in the end, we find it doesn't really matter where you're from because look where he's from. This angel, he goes to this place and he goes to you. And he goes to me. Think about where we were when God met us. Every once in a while, I think about my life and where I was when God met me. And I'm reminded once again 
of this God that we serve. And he would send an angel to Galilee, to a city of Nazareth. And then it says there, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And her name, the virgin's name, was Mary. I mean, you would think he'd go to Jerusalem. You would think he would go to the high priest, wouldn't he? Or maybe someone who's a member of the Sanhedrin, or maybe a Pharisee, at least a Pharisee. And he goes to this teenage girl, probably 14 years old. She's betrothed to Joseph, and that means that she's engaged. In their culture, it was more than our engagement What that meant is that she was engaged to be married in this contract. It would be at least a year before the wedding, not consummating the wedding, not living together, not sexually involved, but something so binding that they would require a divorce to get out of it. That's where where she was at. This is where this angel goes, sent from God to Mary. And and we'll talk more about Mary later. So we see the, the, the angel there. And and this messenger has a message. It says in verse 28, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Jesus would eventually come and lavish us with his love. Jesus would eventually come and grant us this grace that we haven't even begun to understand. And it's so beautiful the way that you see it already starting. The messenger says two things. Number one, you're chosen. Number two, you're with child. You're going to have a child. You know, and the thing that's cool is he says right there in verse 28, rejoice, highly favored one. Now, this is the Greek word karito. It comes from another word uh, down here in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The Greek word for favor is charis. Okay, so karito and charis. You guys got to know these Greek words, okay? Because this is very important. Carito and charis. Um, grace is, man, God's undeserved favor upon your life. There's nothing that you could do to earn it. Nothing. I don't care how many hoops you jump through. I don't care how deep, how great, how eloquent, how sincere, how reverent your prayers are. I don't care how many I's you dot or T's you cross or whatever you can do in your greatest moment. There's nothing that we are worthy of. The Bible says in Isaiah 64 verse 6 that our righteousness is is as filthy rags before God. Everything is His grace. And it's interesting to me that here we have this word carito and we have this word charis. Okay, you guys know the New Testament? What's the first book in the New Testament? 
Matthew. What's the second book? Mark. Did you know this? Check this out. The word charis does not come in Matthew, does not come in Mark. The first time the word charis is found in the New Testament is right here. I never knew that. And then there's the word carito. First time in the New Testament, guess where it's at? Right here. You know, there's another time, only other time it's in the, found in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, where you have been accepted into the beloved. You have been accepted. Do you feel accepted? Do you know that in Christ you are accepted? You know, some people, unfortunately, when it comes to Christmas or just the whole story, isn't it a bummer that they exalt Mary? And it's crazy, man. People think that, you know, she's their savior, the co, you know, redemptrix or the co-mediator, you know. And, and here's, here's the way that it works, you guys. You know, she was a young lady, obedient. She knew the word of God. We read it later in her prayers. It's a beautiful thing. But, man, it was all the grace of God in her life. And as it was in her life, so it is in our life. And what should we do? What does the angel say? Now, angels know. They know, right? What does the angel say she's to do? very first thing he says to her, rejoice. Yes, Lord, thank you so much. Rejoice. Yeah, but man, you don't know the trials I'm going through. And you don't know the trials that Mary would experience in the very near future. I mean, you know, to get pregnant nowadays without being married has a social stigma to it, especially in the church. I mean, you know, some of us here, the bottom line is you can't help yourself. Because you judge them. There's a social stigma even today, even in this time that we live in, when you're pregnant without really being married. Imagine the social stigma back then. Imagine the things that Mary was about to go through when she had to tell everybody that she was pregnant without having been married. And then to tell them that it was the Holy Spirit that conceived this baby within her. Imagine that. You know, a lot of us here probably wouldn't, wouldn't, I don't want that one, Lord. You know, imagine that. But that's where Mary was. The angel says to her, however, rejoice. I know you're going to go through hard times ahead very difficult times. You're probably going to feel all alone. I know you've already gone through hard times. I know you're poor. I know you don't have a lot right now as we speak. Maybe in the world's eyes you've got nothing going for you. But I tell you what, God is with you. God is with you, and God has chosen you. And for all of us here as Christians, the same is true. God, 
God is with you. And God has chosen you. He's got great plans. He's got great purposes. You know, Mary, you know, she's blessed among women, but not above women, right? This angel knows what to say. Not just random, hi, how you doing? No, these are specifically chosen words. And he says to her, you're going to conceive in your womb and bring forth the son and you shall call his name Jesus. You know, she doesn't understand what's going on. And so later on, you know, when this whole thing happens, look what it says in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? I'm not, you know, sexually involved with any man. How can this be? And so the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now she understands it, right? She probably doesn't understand the details of it, but she knows that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are involved. Um, She knows, you know, that What's going to happen? And the way that the virgin birth is, is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. We have the prophecy of the virgin birth. It's applied specifically in the New Testament over in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The virgin birth in Isaiah, it says his name will be Emmanuel. Matthew translates it, Emmanuel, God with us. But, you know, lots of people wonder, well, why the virgin birth? And, and you know, Why? Well, because Jesus had to be born without a sin nature. Now, here's the thing. Some people think that Jesus was half Jesus and half Mary. And that, that's not really what it was. Jesus was a second Adam. Jesus was Jesus, but now with a human nature. And he had no sin. You know, when you begin to study that, you understand the reason why. From the very get-go, he had to be born without sin so that he can then one day bear our sins. And so the angel tells her, well, this is how it's going to happen. And then kind of to give her a sign. Now, the sign for Zacharias was you're not going to be able to speak. That's the sign for you. And the sign for Mary was this in verse 36. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren, infertile, for with God nothing will be impossible. I love that. You're like, except. And you have a little asterisk right there, right? Footnote. Except for my situation. God says, no, nothing will be impossible. I can make, you know, this virgin give birth and this old lady doesn't really matter. With God, nothing's impossible. God's arm has not been shortened. Right? And so look what Mary says in verse 38. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. It's cool. The maidservant of the Lord. Uh, In the Jewish culture, in the Greek language, what that means is that I am willing to be the lowest slave for Jesus. And you look at this right here and you think, wow, what a wonderful response. And you read that right there and you're like, okay, well, that's the Christmas story. 
But in one sense, it's not. It's not. And you're like, wait a minute, Manny. I've, you know, seen a lot of Christmas plays and I've heard a lot of Christmas messages. And I see all the Christmas paraphernalia. I think you're wrong. (laughs) But let me just qualify it. Let me just explain to you what I mean. Christmas is partially about an angelic announcement, yes. And Christmas is partially about the purpose of these parents, yes. But if I was to talk to that angel, you know what he would say? It's not about me. And if I was to talk to Joseph and Mary, and, and ask them, well, what's Christmas about? You know what they would say? They would say, it's not about us. Yeah, partially an angelic announcement and partially purpose of the parents. And wow, it's cool the way they responded and we get all these lessons out of all that stuff and that's great. But Christmas is primarily and ultimately about the mission of our Messiah. And so in one sense, you want to know what we should do. If you wanted to just get hardcore, you know, full-on Jesus freak, you want to know what you should do? Take Mary out of the nativity scene. And take Joseph out of the nativity scene. And take down all those angels and all the other stuff. And let it be all about Jesus. You know, and I'm not saying you got to throw them away now because you spent a lot of money on those nativity scenes and all that. But in your heart, and maybe, maybe on Christmas Day at least, in a symbolic way, take all that other stuff away. Lord Jesus, this is about you. You could have come without an angelic announcement, and it could have been anybody else. You know, not Mary, but Sherry. Think about that, you know. It wasn't that she was the only one worthy. It was that the grace of God had come. And all I'm saying is this, you guys. My encouragement to you in the midst of all these things. And I'll be honest with you, you know, Coast 103, it plays all the Christmas songs. I'm starting to just like, hate that station because every once in a while, you know, we'll flip it on and they've got, you know, I don't know, 93 songs that are not about Jesus, seven that are. I don't like that. I don't like that. You know, and we've got all these things that, you know, that just they do all... To me, it's got to be all about the Lord. You see, the mission of the Messiah, look what it says right here about him in verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, his kingdom, there will be no end. See, that's my prayer, you guys, is as we... As we find ourselves in another, you know, season, um, not just Merry Christmas, but, you know, May You Christmas. May we celebrate Jesus 
this year. And may we even, man, I encourage you, get with the Lord and really begin to pray, Lord, what can I do this year, Lord, to make it really all about you, Lord, just all about you, not about anyone or anything else. You know, that's my prayer. And as I was, I woke up this morning, the Lord really just laid these things on my heart. Even today, if it's all right, to close in, in some prayer, some time of prayer, you know, um, to where we could ask the Lord. You know, Sunday nights have been a real tremendous blessing to me. Um, we were talking about the Holy Spirit coming and, and we were talking about the church praying. You know, because when the church prays, God's going to do great things. But if the church doesn't pray, if they just play, we just play, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to see the hand of God move in the way that we want to. And so we're talking about that. And, and one of the guys, you know, he says, hey, how come we don't do that? You know, why don't we pray? And I'm like, well, we do, you know, individually. And Wednesday nights we've got, you know, ten beautiful ladies that come in and pray Wish there was more. Saturday mornings, we've got, you know, seven handsome guys that come in and pray. Wish there was more. What about the whole church, though? Some guys can't make it on Saturdays. Gals can't make it on Wednesdays. So I thought, you know what? Today, if it's all right, let's pray. Let's pray a few minutes here. we got 10, you know, 15 minutes to pray. And what we'll do is um, we'll dim the lights. And uh, as the Lord would lead you, um, Let's pray. Let's ask God for him to move this year. You know, let's ask God to show us how to live, to forgive us. Let's ask God to come in and, and just bless this time. Even now, right now, let's really search our hearts and cry out to him. Because I really believe that God is always doing a new work. But, man, he's doing a new, new work. I know in my life. And I pray that he would be in, in yours as well. And so, you know, I'm going to just say a quick prayer. Then you pray. You guys, as the Lord would lead you, don't be embarrassed, man. Um, be bold. And uh, pray. Not real long. Give other people a chance. And then and you just pray loud enough so the rest of the congregation can hear. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we could close the service today praying that we would Christmas that we would celebrate Christ, that we would thank you for sending your son the distance of time and eternity to enter into this little speck of space, this planet, to die for our sins. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless this time even now, that you would just lay it on someone's heart, Lord, to pray, to talk to you, and to ask that you would bless Calvary Chapel Almani and bless all the people here in all their situations and whatever it is they're going through. You make us a praying church. You make us a church empowered by your Holy Spirit, holy, hating sin, loving you. Please, Lord, do a good work, a new work. 